you ever watch the news and see a story about an individual that accomplished something that was seemingly impossible? Like maybe survived a car crash and then he just walked away from it or uh, got stranded in an avalanche or some natural disaster that he just walked away from. Circumstances that looked impossible, but they survived nonetheless. So it was possible, right? Um, maybe scroll in social media, watch the video, and you saw some substantial feat of strength that uh, looked maybe um, in sports, great comeback in football or track and field. It just seemed impossible. Great. And it happened last year in the NFL. Greatest comeback of all time. Uh, the Minnesota Vikings pulled it off. Impossible things happen, right? Which I guess means they're not impossible. Kind of defeats the definition. And it isn't, um, and isn't that true for much in our lives? You know, uh, we can think some things are impossible until they're not. Uh, for example, here are a couple of impossible things that you might never think about. I guarantee it. It's impossible to lick your own elbow. Don't try it. I'm not sure if it's true. Um, it's impossible to sneeze with your eyes open. Again, don't try it. I don't want to see what happens. It's impossible to be in more places, more than one place at one time, right? And we all wish that were true, uh, but we can't pull that off. It's impossible for me to walk past a box of donuts and not take one. I proved that today. So I guess what I'm saying is this. Impossible happens all the time. And just because we never witnessed it doesn't mean that it's not possible. Case in point. It's, it is impossible to feed 5,000 people with just five loaves and two fish. Right? Cannot happen. And uh, up to a certain point in the life of 12 guys... The answer to that question was a definite yes. Four of those guys were fishermen, so they knew that that was a fact. But then, then it happened. We're back today learning more about things that Jesus spoke. He spoke Jesus to people. And our goal is to learn this new language, to speak Jesus to others. Because when Jesus is spoken, lives are changed. Hearts are mended. Relationships are restored. And today, we look at a time that Jesus challenges his followers with this impossible task. It was impossible, it was impossible for them. It was impossible for the people. Impossible without Jesus making it possible. It was a challenge that would have, have the disciples scrambling um, and feeling really inadequate, right? Feeling helpless, probably feeling... Uh, some fear, um, depending on how the people would react when they failed at this job that Jesus put in front of them. And it was a humbling moment for these 12 guys because they were up against an impossible problem to solve. And you can actually find this story in Scripture 
in all four of the Gospels in the New Testament. So um, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all have this, um, gospel, this story in it. And that tells me a few things. We're going to look at it in the Gospel of Mark. So if you want to find that in your scripture, Mark chapter 6 is where we'll be. But since we find this story in all four Gospels, it tells me um, one thing. It's important, right? It shows up in all four accounts. Like uh, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, they all have different perspectives of the life of Jesus and um, I believe that it means that the impact of the situation um, it made uh, on these guys, uh, it, that Jesus, these closest disciples that Jesus had, it was pretty staggering. So they all wrote it down. And uh, so let's read it together from the Gospel of Mark. Mark chapter 6, verse 34. I'm in Matthew. That was the wrong place. All right. Um, when Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. So they began teaching. So he began teaching them things. By this time, it was late in the day. So his disciples came to him. This is a remote place, they said, and, they, and it's already very late. Send the people away so that they can go into the surrounding countryside and villages and buy themselves something to eat. But Jesus answered, you give them something to eat. And he said, they said to him, well, that would take more than a half a year's wages. Are we to go and spend that much on bread and give them something to eat? Jesus said, how many loaves do you have? Go and see. And they found out, and they said, we have five and two fish. That's impossible, right? Impossible. Five loaves, two fish. 5,000 men. Oh, and don't forget there were families there. So most assuredly, more than 5,000 people, right? So, but let's not forget, for the sake of our time today, um, that we're going to say 5,000. We can debate all day about there was 20,000. We don't need to make a miracle bigger than a miracle. A miracle is a miracle, right? In my Bible, it says right at the top, Jesus feeds 5,000. I'll take that. That works for me doesn't matter. 5,000 people, five loaves, two fish, right? That's impossible. That's all we need to know. So we're going to pause for a second and get a little, um, put, put our, uh, our pity hats on for the, for the disciples for just a moment, because they're having a hard time, all right? Because leading into this, they, they had some struggles, and um, we would want them to feel sorry for us if we were in the same situation. So we're going to feel sorry for them. Prior to this, this encounter with the 5,000 on the hill, um, they, they were sent out. Jesus had sent them out and um, on sort of a little internship slash mission trip, um, initial um, time to go out and witness to people. And, and take the gospel to them and help them to figure out what they were to do. And, and so he sends them and he says, go with no food and no money and no extra clothes. Don't even pack a bag. You're going to go across the countryside and you're going to witness to these people. And they had some pretty good success. They go and they preach. They encourage people to repent. And they, they do. And they, they drive out demons from people. They heal people. They do a good job, and people are coming, and they, they begin, they want to follow Jesus. And um, 
and good things are happening. And I'm sure that the disciples' faith was encouraged and their hearts, their hearts were changed because of the results that they were seeing. We're in that shape too, right? When we see good results from things, we get encouraged, no matter what the case is. But if we have a friend that we have been praying about and we've been witnessing to, and they start to, to show good signs of, of coming and following Christ, then we get encouraged too. Well, that, that happened to the, uh, to the disciples. And they were, they were excited. And then... They get word that John the Baptist, one of their friends, and Jesus' cousin, is beheaded. He's killed by King Herod. And this, was a, this would be a huge blow to their movement, to their ministry. Because John the Baptist was a pivotal piece in Jesus' story. He was the one, he was God's messenger sent to prepare the world for Jesus. And they return, and they find Jesus. They come back in. And in, God, in Matthew's gospel, we read about how they, are, they're, they, they're, they plan to retreat on a boat and to privately mourn John the Baptist's death. And the crowd, the crowd kind of followed them back, the ones that, that began to follow Jesus, the ones that they impacted, plus those that Jesus had, had been um, preaching to and teaching to. They, they find out that Jesus where he was going with his disciples, and they follow him. So the disciples and Jesus, they get on this boat, and the people see him, and they kind of follow him. And the people, they're starved for the words of Jesus. So much so that they didn't bring anything with them. They just saw the boat going out across the Sea of Galilee, and they're just kind of following along on, I see him out there, and they just follow along on the shore. They don't bring any supplies with them, no food, no lunchbox, no, nothing. They just followed. And Jesus, who's mourning the loss of his family, when they, when they dock, they get to the shore, he saw the crowd and had compassion on them. This phrase, he saw the crowd and had compassion on them, it, it's a reaction Um, that Jesus has, it's a common thread throughout Jesus' three years of ministry. And he has compassion on it. It means that he has has sympathetic pity on the people there, uh, and he has concern for their their sufferings of all these these people that that they've followed him everywhere. And he saw the people. They were so starved for his teaching, for the words, for the impact that he had. They were so spiritually empty. And they wanted to be with him. So much so that they watched him get on a boat. And then they followed him along the shore. So they could reunite with him wherever he docked. Just to hear more of what he had to teach him. And Jesus had compassion on them. Why? Why why would he have... Well, because they were hurting. They, they were lost. They were wandering around without direction. The scripture says that they were like sheep without a shepherd. And sheep, if they don't have someone to, to lead them, they're going wherever. Right? They're not like ants. Ants go in a line. It just takes one person and one, they all follow. Right? You ever seen a string of ants? Ants don't go wherever they want to. Sheep everywhere. These people were lost. They were wandering around without direction. They had a void in their life 
that they were searching for something meaningful to fill that void, and they could not find it. But they found it in the guy who got in the boat that was mourning the loss of his cousin. And they knew that if they could just hear him and be around him, that their lives would be impacted, so they followed him. They knew, that there are, they knew in their hearts that Jesus knew that, in, in that their hearts were hungry for something. And soon enough, after he spoke, that they would be hungry for two things, right? And Jesus saw that they were, what, that, that they were seeking him out, and he took that opportunity to teach them, which is great. So he taught them, and he taught them, and he taught them for a long time, for a long time. He, it was getting late, right? The sun's going down. I don't know what time of day it was, but they were, uh, uh, all, the, all the people in the crowd were like looking around. You know, there's 5,000 people there or whatever, so it was a room bigger than this. They were out on a hillside outside, and so there's people looking around at each other like, oh, I forgot a lunchbox. Did you bring your lunchbox? Did you get any food? They're like looking around. They're trying to listen, but they're like, oh, my stomach's growling. And, and they pulled out their phones, and they checked out Google Maps for the nearest restaurant or gas station. They get some a Slurpee or something, and they could get some food. But the problem is they were out in this remote area, it says in the Scripture. Well, there's nothing close. And the other problem is there were so many of them, it wouldn't have mattered if there was a gas station or a quick trip or something. They, they would, they wasn't enough to feed them all. So um, there's a problem. And the problems were piling up. And the disciples were starting to recognize it. Why? Because they were getting hungry too, right? And so the disciples, uh, they, they think they need to intervene. So they interrupt Jesus in his teaching. How do you think that went, right? Peter, go up there and tell Jesus. No, John, you're his favorite. You're the one that he loves. Go up there, tell Jesus. You know, it's getting late. So they go up. Sorry to bother you, Jesus, but uh, it's getting late, right? Meaning this, Jesus, you've preached forever, all right? And um, so send the people away so they can go get some food, which was code for, Jesus, we're starving, and we need to go eat, all right? And, uh, and this is where Jesus puts disciples on the spot, all right? And this is where we get our phrase for the day from Jesus, where he speaks Jesus to them. He tells them, you give them something to eat. You give them something to eat. How mortified do you think they were? Right? They're probably looking at each other, like, probably patting them, looking for their wallet. Oh, a couple of them ran off, checked their, their backpack for a Lunchable or some beef jerky, maybe a fruit roll-up or something. Wasn't good enough, right? They didn't have any food, right? Why? Well, Jesus provided for them all the time. So why would they bring food? And there we start to see um, their personalities kind of start to shine through. Uh, in different accounts, remember they're in all four of the Gospels. Um, Philip, for example, he gets technical. And we kind of get a part of it here in Mark. But he gives Jesus the numbers, he gets uh, the statistics out, and he's done the math, and he's like, well, it's going to cost a year's wages just for everybody to get one bite of food. There's no way, Jesus, right? And Which is kind of impressive that he could do the math that fast. He should be an actuary or something. Um, 
Andrew, Peter's brother, right? Andrew, he gets practical. What does Andrew do? He kind of sneaks off out in the crowd, and he starts to discreetly uh, ask around, hey, um, you have any food? Jesus is kind of wondering if we have any food uh, in the crowd. Anybody have any food? Um, we're just wondering. Nope, don't panic. We're just wondering if anybody has any extra food um, to share. And the disciples, they're faced with this impossible task. You give them something to eat. You know who didn't have food either? Jesus. He didn't have any food. Something that Jesus told them, though, he said, you give them. You give it to them. And when facing this impossible task, what did they do? They turned their, their own strength. When they, were, when they were sent out just a few days before, what did they take with them? Nothing. Don't take any food. Don't take any money. Don't even take any extra clothes. And lives were changed, and all their needs were supplied by God. But in this situation, the impossible was put in front of them, and they try and solve the problem on their own. Knowing full well they had no chance, and they tell Jesus kind of rather sheepishly, um, well, we found this boy. And Andrew's like, we? We found this boy. I found this boy. So um, here, five loaves, two fishes. From there, Jesus speaks Jesus to the disciples and to the crowd and to us. And he doesn't just speak. He shows in this, in this situation that impossible is possible with God. So he directs the disciples to get organized um, because we know that church people need to get organized when it comes to church dinner or it'll be a free-for-all, right? Amen? So the crowd is divided into groups, and the disciples become honorary servers at the Jesus Hillside Cafe, and they each get a tip at the end. Their gratuity is um, one full basket of leftovers of bread and fish, right? And each disciple got a lesson on the impossible being possible, and it had nothing to do with what they could accomplish. And, everything, and everyone there went away full with a full heart and with a full belly. And at least 12 of them went away with the understanding that Jesus was the source of impossible possibilities, right? So there's three things that we want to pull out of this little story before we go home today. Um, let's be honest, there's, there's a lot of applications from this moment um, in, in Scripture that we could talk about for hours, but we won't talk about it for hours because the first thing we learn from this story that when a preacher goes on and on for hours, everyone gets hungry. So you're probably already there. <clears throat> but I want to just share three things that stood out uh, to me this week when I was reading here. The first thing is this. Jesus saw the crowd and he had compassion on them. Let's remember for just a moment in this story from Scripture. Jesus is human. Now, he was fully God, but Jesus is God in a body, fully human at the same time. Mitchell read it today. He, he just experienced a tragic death in his family. And when a tragic death or incident um, happens in our lives, in our human lives, how do we react? Right? All, it all happens differently. We, we kind of deal with that stuff on different levels, right? 
And uh, some of us are introverted and we want to grieve differently. But Jesus was trying to find solitude. And the crowd followed him regardless of his circumstances. They didn't care. And they might not even known what he was trying to deal with. And he didn't get upset. It didn't bother him. right? Rather, when he saw the crowd... And the crowd should have been having compassion on him because of his circumstances. When he saw the crowd, he had compassion on them. And this shows the, the heart that Jesus had for his children. He loved them so much. And the calling that he had on his life to invite people to follow him and to change their hearts and to lead them into a relationship with, their, with his father. That, that calling took priority over his, his need for sympathy and his need for compassion. And that calling took priority for his human need to deal with death in his family and to grieve. He found a way to rely on God in that situation for strength. And in the middle of his own pain, and he was able to love on others despite that pain. It's a good lesson for us because a lot of times it's easy for us to get, when we're down, to stay down. And one of the easiest ways to get out of that is to serve other people, to focus on the needs of other people. And it's how we can recover in an easier way. So um, he found a way to rely on. And this also shows me that, that people are starving for the love of Jesus. They're craving to be with him. They were craving to, so much so that the crowd, they wanted to be near Jesus. They wanted to hear him speak, to absorb all that he had to share with them. That, and because they were deeply changed by his love. The things that he said, the way that he interacted with them, the miracles that he did, the healing, all of those things. They, that changed their lives, that they wanted to be with him. They wanted to follow him. People today... They're no different. People today are starving for God's love. So, so much hurt in our world. And so much pain that we witness almost every day. A lot of times in our own families, extended families. People searching for answers at the bottom of a bottle. Uh, and the result is that it destroys their lives instead of helping most of the time, right? It feels good for a while because that's what we want. We just want to not feel for that moment. And then it, it comes up to hurt even more. And then maybe we, we search for, uh, for love in the middle of toxic or inappropriate relationships or whatever that looks like. And it destroys their lives and the lives of uh, other people's families because we just want to not feel the pain of whatever's happening for this long, and it, it just continues to destroy, and people searching for peace in anything and everything, only to find no peace anywhere in this world, so much so that they, uh, they, they try and take their own lives just so they don't have to feel anymore. People are starving for the love of Jesus. And they're craving an opportunity to experience the peace that God has to offer. They're open and willing. 
They just need us to show them that love. For us to give them an opportunity to see Jesus on the water, out in the boat, and to meet him on the shore. Because people are starved for Jesus. The second thing that stood out is Jesus takes what little we have to offer and makes the impossible possible. Five loaves, two fish. It's not that much. For the little boy that carried his lunch out to the hillside to listen to Jesus speak, five loaves and two fish wasn't even that much for the little boy. Right? So for 5,000 men, it was impossible. But Jesus took what little was available, and he took impossible out behind the woodshed. Right? There was plenty. Everybody left satisfied, and there were 12 baskets left over. Right? And Jesus, he asked the disciples, well, how much food do we have? He knew. He knew what he was going to do. That's what one of the gospel accounts said. He already knew what he was planning to do. So he said, how much do we have? And they're like, well, we got five loaves, two fish. And Jesus is like, are you kidding? There's no way. Five loaves, two fish. Just get them out of here. Send them home. You guys leave too. I'll eat the five loaves and two fish. No. What did he say? Bring it to me. Just bring it to me. All it took for impossible to happen was to bring what was available to Jesus. And that's the story of our lives, right? We look at life through a lens of what we have to offer, right? And what do we have to offer? We see it as failure or it's not enough, and you're right. But all God wants to do is to bring what we have to him and to allow him to deal with all the impossible stuff. God deals with all the impossible things, right? That's, That's what we need to just hand over and allow him to work through us with the things that he's provided for us, all our time and our talents and our treasure. We talked about that before. Because we can't save people. That's not up to us. That's impossible, right? God saves people, and he wants us to bring what we have to him so he can take impossible and multiply that for the kingdom. That's what we have to offer. Is just, just bring it to me. That's what he wants. Bring it to me. Because not only does Jesus take what seemingly is an impossible shortfall, he provides an overabundance at the end, right? Five loaves, two fish, fed 5,000 plus people, including 12 disciples that weren't sure what to do. And just for good measure, each disciple takes a full leftover doggy bag home to show them that nothing's impossible with Jesus And he will take our lives and our witness to do the same thing. And if we bring what we have to him, he will multiply it. And the last thing is this. You give them something to eat. This is what it looks like to speak Jesus to others. We are called to lead others to a life that experiences the grace of God. And Jesus is telling us today, you give them something to eat. It's our challenge. It's a challenge to me. You. He's like, put your name in that, okay? You give them something to eat. The disciples had to be 
petrified when he told him that. But he knew what was going to happen down the road. He wasn't always going to be there. There were going to be problems to solve, and Jesus wasn't going to be there to create 12 extra baskets of food for everybody. We're called to do this. And Jesus is telling us today, you give them something to eat. You extend grace to people that are too ashamed of who they are and what they have done. You show love to people who you encounter every day because regardless of their social status or their economic status or their lack of, of anything in between, they are made in the image of God. And, they, and Jesus showed his love for them on the cross just like he did for you and me. You serve others, and you make them a priority. And when you see the crowd, you have compassion on them because you know for a fact that the crowd is full of hurt and pain and is craving peace and hope in their lives, just like you are, just like Jesus did for us when he saw the crowd and had compassion on them. He saw the need, they were hungry, and he fed them. This is what it means to speak Jesus. It's what we uh, give people, that, that we give people something to eat, and we watch the impossible task of salvation become possible by the grace of God, reaching into the lives of others. And we're reminded of this grace and abundance of Christ by the table that's set before us today in communion. Melissa, why don't you come on?